Appreciation for Men. Yes, that's our title as we welcome you to another look into the life and message of Elizabeth Elliot, who called us to live to a higher standard every day. Not satisfied with just a little religion in life as a shallow substitute for giving God our best. As our series continues in the coming weeks, we'll hear from family, friends, and others influenced by Elizabeth's life and her message. Welcome. Today we begin a 10-part series on appreciation for men. As we hear what men are afraid of, afraid, and the repentant wife. Our guests today are violinist Peter DeVries, and he talks about a special book connected with Elizabeth. Also, Rachel Johnson, creative media director for the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, gives us an update on how people are finding out about Elizabeth, uh, the materials and podcasts available from the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation. First, though, it's part one in the series Appreciation for Men, What Men Are Afraid Of. Elizabeth goes to what she calls old-fashioned common sense, and she quotes her second husband, Addison Leach. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says, and underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend, Elizabeth Elliot, talking with you today, and all this week and next week, about appreciation for men. These programs will be partly directed toward women so that we will learn to appreciate the men who are in our lives and just maybe a few little hints for you men. The writer of Proverbs was a man who calls himself the preacher. He had a great deal of old-fashioned common sense. I understand that Dr. Billy Graham reads a chapter in Proverbs every day There are 31 chapters in Proverbs, so you can get through it in a month, and presumably Dr. Graham reads Proverbs 12 times every year. As my second husband, Addison Leach, said, he was an interesting man with a terrific sense of humor. He was a philosopher and a theologian, and he died of cancer. But he used to say a fellow could learn a lot from a book like this, slapping his Bible when he said it, and it's certainly the truth. We can learn a lot from a book like that. And the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. The preacher's views on women are shared, I'm sure, by most men. I'm speaking now of the preacher who wrote Proverbs. And he had some very interesting views on women. And I would like you to know that they're shared by me as well, and I'm sure by many other women. For example, In Proverbs 9.13, it says the woman folly, or the lady's stupidity, in another translation, is loud. Do you like loud women? When I was growing up, women, girls, were taught to speak in a low voice, not to be shrill or loud, especially in public places. I find it very disturbing on airplanes these days, how so many people are so loud. Of course, I don't expect men to keep their voices as low as women ought to, but nowadays we're often 
greatly bothered as we travel on planes, the way people just talk so loudly that you can hear them all over the cabin. My heart sinks when I find myself in a seat in front of two women who are just nattering away loudly. The preacher also said something about women in public places. Better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Many would say amen to that. Verse 19 in that same chapter, Proverbs 21, better to live in a desert than with a a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. God has been speaking to me lately about the fact that I so often take issue with what my husband says. I am a debater and an arguer from way back. I need to learn to accept what he says without instantly raising questions, objections, and arguments. When I see women chewing bubble gum, blowing great pink bubbles into the air, I think, has no one shown them the example of femininity? Has it not occurred to them what it looks like? When I went through the x-ray screening place at the airport recently, the woman who was in charge, was standing there blowing bubbles with bubble gum. I thought to myself, I wonder how serious she is about her job. And then when it comes to dress, well, we could go on for a long time about modesty and dress, but these are not the series, this is not the series in which I wanted to talk about those things. But there is something lacking in the training of girls and women today And I would like to encourage you fathers especially to teach your girls what a man likes to see in a woman. You mothers, of course, are the ones who are to set the example of womanliness and femininity. But fathers, please don't forget your responsibility. You have a special place in your daughter's heart. She has a very special interest in knowing what you think and what you want of her. I can remember the few times when my father actually complimented me on my looks or the way I was dressed. Very few times, but they were treasured in my memory. I wanted to please my father. In Proverbs 19, verses 13 and 14, A foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You men who are listening who have a prudent wife, thank God for such a gift. Women ought to be wise in seeking God's will for how they should act and how they should treat their husbands. A wife of noble character, says the preacher, is her husband's crown but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Most of my programs, as you men realize, are directed toward women, since it's unusual for men to be willing to listen to a woman, especially one who might be likely to admonish them once in a while. And I understand that. I don't blame you one bit. I am amazed that men listen to me, and I do want to thank you. I thank you so much for you who have written me, and I have had many wonderfully encouraging letters from men. 
Here's one from an old codger. He actually calls himself that. He says, I just want you to know that I am an old codger of 91. I receive your program on WRVL with much joy most every morning this past year, particularly the most recent one on what makes a man. How I wish I had heard a similar message many, many years ago. What a better husband I would have been and father to my two daughters. No, I was not a cruel man and from this world standard a good man. But I realize I was a selfish, self-centered man and far from God's plan for all believers. You can be sure I bitterly regret my shortcomings and ask forgiveness from our Savior for true repentance. I remember hearing you on radio many years ago, soon after your husband Jim Elliott's tragic death, and how my heart ached for you in so great a loss. May God richly bless you. Thank you, Mr. Sanderson. That was such an encouragement to me. I'm glad to hear from an old codger. Another one who called himself a strange fellow, especially cranky and uncouth. Had you heard that Nate Saint's plane was discovered in the spring of 1994 by the Alka Indians? The jungle rivers changed course so drastically that the plane, which had been sitting on the beach where the five men in Ecuador were killed in 1956, had long since sunk into the sand and been covered up. But then, with the continuing changing course of the river, once again it was revealed. One of my listeners wrote and asked me if this was true, so I'm telling you it is true that the plane was discovered. It has been resurrected. Only parts of it, not all of it, was there. But this listener said, do you believe that this is true? It gives me goosebumps. Well, yes, I know it's true because I got it straight from the dragon's mouth. My husband and I were in Ecuador just a few weeks after the discovery of the plane, and the Alcas themselves told me about its discovery. I do hope it's clear that I'm not a man basher. Very much the opposite. God has given me three husbands, Ad and Lars, have told me, my second husband, Ad, told me that men were scared to death of women, and Lars confirms that. Well, some of you are and some of you aren't. But we do get letters from men who are afraid to take the initiative, afraid to date, and now very much afraid of being called macho. The feminist movement has indeed confused both men and women, and in its extreme Some feminists are saying all men are rapists. Well, we know that that's nonsense. God help us all. I don't believe that one-tenth of one percent of men are rapists. Some are, of course, and some of you women listening have, in very tragic ways, known the truth of that. We have a letter from a man who speaks of the fear of taking responsibility. I hope that the men listening will be encouraged to believe that God will help you. God will lead you and guide you if you surrender yourself to Him. If you put yourself in the place of receiving communication from God, which means daily Bible reading and prayer. Don't be ashamed to get down on your knees and pray and ask God to help you. Appreciation for Men, Part 1. 
What Men Are Afraid Of. Later on, we'll hear from Creative Media Director for the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, Rachel Johnson, about people finding the Elizabeth Elliott materials. But first, Peter DeVries, nephew of Elizabeth, at the Wheaton Memorial Service for Elizabeth in 2015, talked about a special book that he associates with his aunt. She was the source of such joy and such laughter and such piercing, sometimes a little harsh wisdom. But I knew that she loved me. Um, One of the most amazing experiences was I used to talk to her, tease her, we had fun teasing, about the fact that she seemed to focus on the women. And there's let me be a woman. And there's all this stuff about women. I'm like, what about us guys? And unbeknownst to me, she was working on that. One day, I get a book binder in the mail and out drops a book called The Mark of a Man. And I had all sorts of interesting reactions to that. Of course, my first one was, wow, she's finally figured me out. She's wrote a book about me, (laughs) which when I asked her about that, it died so fast on the vine. She said, "Um, that's to you. But I can tell you, I'm here today, and I'm sure most of us agree that we are different people and better people for the joy of having gotten to know Elizabeth Elliot. Virtuoso violinist and nephew of Elizabeth, that was Peter DeVries. Later on, we'll hear from Rachel Johnson of the Elizabeth Elliot Foundation. Right now, it's part two of Appreciation for Men, The Repentant Wife. You are loved with an everlasting love. That's what the Bible says, and underneath are the everlasting arms. This is your friend Elizabeth Elliot talking with you again today about appreciation for men. I didn't have time yesterday to read this letter, but I don't want to overlook it. It's just so encouraging. From a man, he says, In listening to your messages about masculinity, I cannot help but wonder as I look at many just how many men are fearful of really taking responsibility, knowing full well what they ought to do, but are more concerned that if they do, it will cause friction, especially in the marriage relationship. Yet in not doing so, respect towards them dwindles, and in reality the relationship is already being jeopardized and in far worse shape than they want to face up to. Being a man and making the proper godly decisions for the family in every way is so, so important. As like many other aspects, it involves many other people related and outside the family. And what a pathetic example the lack of it creates in the minds of children. What a poor way to shape those young lives. Most men are even tremendously fearful of making a positive stand in many areas and do not understand God's plan and desire for the marriage relationship and the home. And if one did have the proper convictions, what a test and trial of patience it would probably be to find that just right lady for a wife. My heart goes out to our younger generation concerning their choices of a spouse, and that is probably where the shoe pinches the most, the matter of choice in our close, intimate relationships. Most are just not trained well enough to make a good choice. There's so much that could be said about this subject, and many men would rather not even hear about it, as much as most women understand submissiveness. What a tremendously interesting and complex subject, yet one God desires for us as much as being an individual something many are scared to death to even consider. 
It's so much easier to just go with the flow, let someone else take the decisions, I'll live with the consequences. We, he says, meaning all men, seem to be more fearful of not being accepted by our peers than by God. We really need to fear him more and be more concerned about his will. We all tend to be man-pleasers. We lack the faith to step out. Perhaps we should be more concerned about our heartaches at the judgment of Christ than we are. And I struggle with these very things myself, he says. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for that great letter. And now I have an unusual letter from a woman who learned to appreciate her husband when it was already too late. It's a temptation to take each other for granted, isn't it? She says, My husband, we'll call him Jake, My husband Jake and I have been divorced since September of last year. I was not walking with God the way I should have. I was not the wife and mother I should have been. I was going to school working full-time, and Jake was helping me with our four children and working. We had been married for six years. I came to a point in my life where I became dissatisfied with my life. I decided I could do better. I began to criticize and reject Jake. I committed adultery. I, of course, put the blame on Jake. He wasn't supportive. He was never around, etc., when I was the one that wasn't around. It finally came to a point when I received a job offer in another town. I, of course, was so full of myself, I accepted the job, filed for divorce, and left town. I found out the job was not enough to support our children. I didn't receive the amount of money promised, and I had told Jake that I didn't need him. I could not find a place to live. The cost of living was too high. God allowed me to be brought to my knees. Never had I been so humbled. Not one of my plans worked out. I began to pray and accepted the Lord into my heart. My children and I moved back to the town where we were. We went to church. Our house that had been for sale and had a contract on, God mercifully allowed to be returned to us to live in. I begged Jake to stop the divorce, but I had heard him so much he wouldn't listen. As I said before, the divorce was final in September. God has shown me how I was supposed to act and my place as a wife. All I want and pray for now is a quiet, humble life. I went to Jake and asked for his forgiveness. I explained the areas God had brought to my attention, and I realized how terribly I had failed him. He forgave me and confessed he still loved me and the kids. We had been seeing each other, but he has moved to another town close by. I hurt him so much. He is scared of me. He doesn't know what he wants. I have talked with him about commitment with God. He has become heavily involved with pot smoking. I am in such agony over realizing what I have lost. I hurt. I praise God and pray for us. I love Jake so much, and I realize how much he sacrificed to help me see my goals. I agonize over the damage I've caused. But I also know the drugs are causing his judgment to be clouded. His heart is becoming hardened. Lately, he has begun to pray for his life and job. But he expects God to answer his prayers. But he doesn't understand how important it is to do what God wants and to praise God for everything he has done. I was hoping 
you could pray for my family and possibly give me some advice about what I should do. I still feel as if Jake and I are married. I pray I get the chance to be the wife I should have been. Many of my friends tell me this is God telling me to get on with my life, but I feel God wants my family to be together. I'm in such a grieving state. I walk through the grocery store where we used to go. The tears pour from my eyes. I feel as though I have a big hole in me. Well, that should be a warning to any woman who might just possibly at this moment be contemplating getting a divorce, taking a new job, and leaving town. Is it for God that you're doing this or for yourself? Let me give you a few hints on how to prevent divorce. Number one, never take each other for granted. Number two, aim at unity. I confessed a few days or weeks ago that I am an arguer, and I realize how difficult this makes it for anybody that has to get along with me. I'm always finding holes in their plans, raising questions. The Lord has been saying to me, aim at unity, aim at unity, not separation, not opposition. The third thing is aim at the good of the other person. When a divorce happens, could it ever be for the sake of the other person? I don't think so. I don't think that could ever happen. There would never be a divorce if both parties were aiming for the good of the other person. It's selfishness that brings about divorce. Now, these are things that I wrote down for myself when the Lord pointed out to me my reluctance to do what I knew he was telling me to do. And some questions came to my mind that I believe the Holy Spirit was asking. Am I glad to lay aside what I am doing in order to do something that my husband needs done? Do I let him know how much I count on him, appreciate him, and admire him? If you have trouble thinking of this, recall, why did you marry this man? What was it that you admired at that time? And I began to pray, help me, Lord, to understand his sufferings. What does he find hard to cope with? And may I say to you men who are listening, ask God to help you to see your wife's sufferings to reveal to you the things in you that she finds hard to cope with. What is the irritating thing, that little thing, that just drives her up the wall or drives him up the wall? Let's look at it in the presence of God. It's amazing what a difference it makes in the light of things when we spread them out in the presence of God. What is my husband's perception of my attitude toward him? Indifference, a trace of scorn, superiority, irritation. Lord, show me what he is suffering because of me. Do I respect the secret pain and make allowances? Are there things that your husband can't talk about? I know that there are things my husband can't talk about. Can I keep my mouth shut when a clever retort occurs to me which has a critical edge 
when have I last given a word of encouragement, told him that I love him? What can we wives and you husbands do to understand each other, to sympathize, to strengthen each other? God will show us if we honestly and sincerely ask him and if we intend, as we pray that way, to do what he says. Love will always show us what to do. Lord, I hold up all my weakness to your strength, my failure to your faithfulness, my sinfulness to your perfection, my loneliness to your compassion, my little pains to your great agony on the cross. Cleanse me, strengthen me, guide me. Show me how to live in true humility and love. God bless you. That's called The Repentant Wife, part two in our 10-part look at appreciation for men. Well, before we go, let's hear from Rachel Johnson, Creative Media Director for the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation. She oversees the team doing social media and other projects, devotionals, newsletters. So, Rachel, how are people finding out about the Foundation materials and these podcasts? I think a lot of it is word of mouth. I think a lot of people are sharing it with their friends, um, are sharing, you know, the the podcast episodes and the social media posts. They're sharing them online. And I think that it just has been an incredible word of mouth, just watching the word of mouth just make it grow. Um, People just love Elizabeth. And it's been neat to see the next generation come up and be just as excited about her messages and her teaching as those who would have heard her in person in the 70s and 80s and 90s. That was Rachel Johnson of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation. Thank you, Rachel. Well, it looks as though our time is coming to an end, but thanks for letting us come into your home, your office, maybe along with you as you got some exercise today, wherever we found you. On behalf of the Elizabeth Elliott Foundation, in cooperation with the Bible Broadcasting Network, let me invite you to check out all the resources at elizabethelliot.org. More talks, devotionals, videos, and more. elizabethelliot.org. And if you get a chance, leave us a review. Thanks. Until next time, may God remind you daily that you're loved with what? An everlasting love, that's right. And underneath are those everlasting arms. <laughs>